I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. The man to my right is Scott Chasen of Fog.net, and you had a game to cover. I did not, so I got to watch almost all of your game. Yeah. And I thought KU was a better team. It'll be interesting. You know, there were a couple of plays that really swung the balance. And also, I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for coming in. I know it's your birthday today. It so is. I, I had no idea. Happy. Oh, oh, it is. No. It, it's not your birthday. No. no. Oh, it's weird. I thought we had the same birthday. Anyway. <laughs> Happy birthday, Scott. Oh, thanks, Fitz. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13, and of course, answer a weekly poll question and make your game predictions over at TheDriveShow.com. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at GoPowerCat.com and Fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Hoonahans. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. Well, Kansas State took the weekend off, but the Wildcats moved into the AP Top 25 at 24 and rose to number 22 in the coaches' poll. Fitz, is this an ideal spot for the Wildcats heading into Big 12 play? It is. I mean, they go to Oklahoma State, and, you know, it's funny. If you go through this Big 12 schedule for K-State and try to figure out um, what games are on the road and at home and what's going to be the toughest games outside of Oklahoma and Texas, and part of our PowerCat podcast this week. We went through all that, and we came to a determination that without a doubt, since Iowa State isn't playing particularly well, although they scored 7,000 points on Saturday, uh, that going to Oklahoma State next Saturday probably is the toughest conference game for the Wildcats outside of going to Texas and having Oklahoma and Manhattan. So this is a big game for K-State. They go in now on the fringe of the national you know, radar. People are talking about them a little bit. Because now in hindsight, Mississippi State went to Kentucky, or excuse me, hosted Kentucky on Saturday and beat those Wildcats pretty handily. This Mississippi State win looks a lot better for Kansas State. I think they're probably in the right spot for them. You know, they're, they're ranked. They're, they've got some attention on them right now. They've got some expectations that maybe they didn't have from the outside going into the season. And if they can start rattling off wins, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the show, uh, they they play this game, and then they come home and play Baylor, and then they got another off week because, you know, three weeks off, two weeks off. we got to have a rest. It's the media. We need it. Uh, and then uh, they play host to TCU. They could. They could start 6-0, and uh, that would really put them in a really nice position in terms of rankings if they can get that done. And I, I just don't know, Scott. I don't know if uh, this team can win at Oklahoma State. I watched all that Oklahoma State-Texas mm-hmm. game. Um, Oklahoma State's good. It's good. They, they have a good running back-quarterback combination. It's going to be very interesting to see if this team can uh, 
play well enough on both sides of the ball to win at Stillwater. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, locally, the attention K-State is getting definitely deserved, but I am curious, do you feel like the national spotlight ha has come with a lot of that attention that certainly people who follow Big 12 teams have kind of put on them? Yeah, I, I think people are paying attention to K-State mm -hmm. a little bit more. You know, I think there's still some doubters in the national media. I get it. You know, they, they don't think much of the three wins, although you... I, if you win in the SEC, isn't that supposed to be the greatest thing ever? <laughs> so we'll see how the team does now. You know, they're 0-0. Everyone's, well, <laughs> KE State's 0-0 in the Big 12. Everyone, <laughs> at least going into this week, was 0-0 in the Big mm -hmm. 12. So you got a chance to get off to a good start, and it's really a new season. That's your cliche of the week. <laughs> KU was unable to follow the Boston College blowout with another win, but the Jayhawks hung tough with West Virginia in the 29-24 loss on Saturday. Scott, put this one in perspective. Well, you mentioned it at the beginning. You could watch that game and, and think the Jayhawks were the better team, but at the very least, uh, there's been this gap between the ninth best team in the Big 12, whoever that may be, and Kansas. That gap has been there. You think about Baylor, uh, that one year where they were winless. They came, I think it was in Lawrence, they beat them something like 38-9, to uh, and it was just a blowout game that KU was never in and this was not one of those games yes I think you can look at the offense we will talk about the offense you can look at the play calling you can look at coaching decisions minor things there was a, a fourth and two around midfield that normally Les Miles is going to go for it and the wind was kind of against the Jayhawks so punting was going to be an issue uh, they didn't go for it so you can look at those little decisions or maybe uh, you know the onside kick was a huge moment in the game the Jayhawks went for an onside kick but because the ball did not bounce Jamal Horn, who recovered the ball for Kansas, had to give the West Virginia player more space to catch the ball. He had to give him a one-yard cushion. Uh, he could not be within a yard of him, essentially like a punt return, uh, until he had a chance to secure the ball, so it was called back. You could look at those little things. I think, though, the, the big picture, the, the overview and the takeaway is that, hey, Kansas is still continuing to move in the right direction. Certainly, Boston College wasn't a fluke. Uh, maybe it was the maximum potential of how mm -hmm. good you can look and maybe the other team not quite taking you 100% seriously. But I think that's where you start to build. You, you can go to the crowd, too. KU at 35,000-plus uh, in Memorial Stadium. That was a legitimate 35,000-plus. It was the best student crowd uh, that I've personally seen, and I've covered the team going back to Charlie Weiss. So uh, I, I think if you want to find signs of progress they're there if you want to find reasons to say hey hold on this isn't quite a four-win team maybe even not a three-win team yet uh, and if you want to take that pessimistic you know prove it viewpoint you'll find what you're looking for too but like you said at the beginning KU at least hung tough you, you can't argue that KU wasn't right there talent scheme whatever right there with left yeah you know, I, I think uh, KU is better um, although I do question honestly <laughs> If David Beatty was a coach, if this, these improvements still wouldn't be apparent. But uh, they are better, and West Virginia is not very good. Yeah, they that, did not look good. That, that's the other side of the coin, too, right? Because, obviously, you're playing another team. And, look, West Virginia, schematically on offense, they did some things in the first half I thought were kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. But then once you kind of figure that out and all of a sudden that offense starts to fade away, yeah, West Virginia is going to struggle in some of these Didn't games this year. Oklahoma State pushed Texas and Austin, and TCU somehow lost mm -hmm. at home to S. SMU. Does this mean the Big 12 is good or bad in terms of being compared to other conferences around the nation? Well, it's funny. A week ago, we're talking about how good the Big 12 yeah. looks, and, and it's tricky because when teams beat each other in the conference, like that's it goes one of two ways. Either you have those few teams who rise to the top in the conferences that have one, two, three, four like really good teams. Those seem to always be put over the other ones, even though some of the other ones might be deeper. But you've seen especially like Iowa State kind of fading into the background. The Big 12 is kind of waiting uh, Texas to that lost to LSU. 
the Big 12 is kind of waiting for those auxiliary teams to emerge. Mm -hmm. I think K-State has a great chance to be one of those teams. But right now, I'm not going to say the national profile is compromised, but I am going to say it's not. It's certainly not what it could have been. Um, well, I guess maybe expectations weren't as high, then it kind of jumped up and maybe is back down a touch. Well, you got to say that Texas has a home loss to an SEC opponent, even though it's a really good one in LSU. So that doesn't look great for the conference. I love this play. Uh, and it, uh, you know, I think the Longhorns are good, but I just don't know how good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we're in a situation, it's so early in the season, I can't tell if Oklahoma State was really good and hanging out with Texas or if Texas wasn't good enough just to finish off an Oklahoma State team that they shouldn't have had problems with. Uh, so I was just really kind of confused by this game. I couldn't get a grip on it. Uh, and I was really baffled by TCU. I watched this game almost beginning to end. Uh, and at first, my big hot takeaway was that SMU, SMU's uniforms were really awesome because mm -hmm. they honored Dallas. They were really slick looking. But TCU just looked bad. Mm -hmm. They looked bad on offense. They looked bad on defense, which is hard to explain. I know they're playing the freshman quarterback now. They just don't seem to have an identity on that side of the ball. Uh, so now we're talking about Iowa State maybe not being as good as people expected. Maybe TCU isn't as good as people expected, although they're coming off a win at Minnesota. I can't explain this <laughs> conference, but you're right. I think if there's one team poised right now to kind of step up mm -hmm. into that third slot, the auxiliary space, I love that. Right below yeah. Oklahoma, Texas, it is K-State if they can start mm -hmm. rattling off some wins. How would you classify the league right now? People say top-heavy, good depth. Where, where are you putting the Big 12? You know, I don't know. I would say top-heavy like as in Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, maybe Texas is good enough to be with them. Uh, but right now, if you look at the national polls, I, I think clearly the SEC's got the cream of the crop mm -hmm. as they usually do, and then there's Clemson. I watched that Notre Dame game. It's fun having an off week. You get to watch a bunch of football. <laughs> yeah. Watch Notre Dame play at Georgia. Notre Dame looked legitimate even mm -hmm. though they lost. So I think there's better teams out there right now, and Oklahoma's going to have problems if this conference doesn't play up to its standards and, and offer them a reason why that they can show that they belong in the playoff. Yeah, especially if they slip up once or twice. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now a quick look at your poll question results. Poll questions brought to you by Filman 11. Your go fast, look good, play hard, custom shop. Well, last week's question was, KU football snapped a 48-game road losing streak against Power 5 opponents on Friday. When will the Jayhawks' next Power 5 road win come? Choice A, 2019 and Big 12 play got 30% of the vote. 2020, choice B got 50%, and 2021 or beyond, 20% of the vote. So 20% K-State fans, 30% Optimus KU fans, and 50% people like, I don't know, I'm just going to pick B. Mm -hmm. That's how I got through school. Yeah. This week's question is this. K-State opens Big 12 play at Oklahoma State and then meets Baylor and TCU in Manhattan. How will the Wildcats fare in those three games? We've been talking about the importance of these three that leads up to the Oklahoma game. A, three wins. B, two wins, one loss. C, one win, two losses. D, three losses. See what we did there? We covered all your bases. Yeah. Make sure you vote over the driveshow.com. You should have made him pick every individual game and had about 35 different choices or however it would have worked I'm out. I'm not sure Aaron, the producer, would appreciate that. No, probably not. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive as we... Uh, continue your two-minute drill, and the two-minute drill is brought to you by Houlihan's. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. 
Well, K-State goes to Oklahoma State on Saturday and then plays host to Baylor and TCU to open Big 12 play. Well, we heard that before. <laughs> what are the keys to the Wildcats finding early success in conference action? I have notes. I mm. actually prepared. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Number one, Kansas State's got to continue to run the ball like they have been. And it's not just, you know, simple running plays. It's the way they get into those running plays, all the shifts and movements and, and uh, get defenses out of alignment. You can actually have a numerical advantage on on K-State at the point of attack, and because of the way they go about it, uh, they'll find your crease, they'll find someone out of a gap, and, and accomplish that. So teams are going to start walking up into the box and really trying to stop that running game because it's clear that that's K-State's bread and butter. So that means Skylar Thompson's really got to continue to deliver the ball in the passing game and do a good job. So if, if you can get a running game that's halfway decent and Skylar Thompson's putting the ball and the money down the field, this offense is going to be really hard to contain. Uh, now, kind of bridging the gap between offense and defense, K-State's got to be good on third downs, uh, the, and they have been. Uh, they have gotten off the field defensively on third down, but they've also converted third downs offensively. They've been very good in those situations. Um, and, you know, this K-State running game just sets a great play action for them, and that's something that can really come into play if you're there in a disadvantage on third down, third and six, third and long, so to speak. Defensively, this team's really got to continue to pressure the quarterback. They didn't do much pressuring the quarterback until they went to Mississippi State, uh, and they started to really kind of crank down the pressure a little bit, gave the Mississippi State quarterbacks different looks, kind of forced some uh, uh, turnovers against them, and also uh, when a quarterback's not comfortable in the pocket, they make mistakes. Uh, so that's really important. And, I th and Scott, I think the final key is uh, what ended up helping them win the game at Mississippi, mm -hmm. Mississippi State despite the two muff punts, which Texas also had two muff punts against Oklahoma State. Apparently it's a league trend. <laughs> uh, was being better in special teams. Mm -hmm. Don't get greedy here. Just be better than your opponent. And despite those muff punts, because of the Malik Knowles 100-yard kickoff return, K-State won special teams against Mississippi State. And I think that at the end of the day was the difference. So there's your five keys for continued success. We've heard about Andy Reid off a of bye week. What about Chris Kleiman? That would be bye. interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this would be our first experience. You know, Coach Schneider had a really good reputation for that. I think as things progressed, maybe that wasn't the same. But, yeah, we're going to see how much better this K-State team has gotten because Chris Kleiman, when asked about what do your, your team need to get better mm -hmm. at, Everything. I mean, he said, we are really not that good a football team yet, even though we're 3-0. and So uh, for everyone who wants to say they're much different, that sounded very Bill Snyder-like. <laughs> well, Scott, after throwing three touchdowns against Boston College, Carter Stanley three, threw three more against the Mountaineers. But is there something you see holding back the Kansas offense at this point? All right, a, a quarterback at Kansas throws for three touchdowns in back-to-back -back games. You, you feel pretty good about that Kansas mm -hmm. quarterback. I mean, that doesn't happen uh, or hasn't happened, happened, I guess, under recent coaches of the Jayhawks. Now, look, Carter Stanley is a little bit different, maybe not than some of the past quarterbacks. I think stylistically, he could actually be kind of similar to a guy like Montel Cozart, but what is holding back the KU offense right now? I go to two things. The first, I think, is turnovers. Carter Stanley, uh, in the first game, the Jayhawks had three turnovers by fumble. Carter Stanley involved in all three of those plays. You go to week two, you have a couple interceptions and then another fumble, albeit not a lost fumble. You go to the week after that, you start off the game with an interception. And then again in this game, another interception, a fumble. These are issues that KU, uh, that Peyton Bender, he was kind of a statue in the pocket, you'll recall, for KU mm -hmm. last year, but he didn't put the ball in jeopardy. 
Jeopardy like right. this. And, and certainly fumbling wasn't as much of an issue just because he wasn't doing as much running. So uh, I think that's one area for sure where Carter Stanley probably has to uh, at least get things under control. The second, it comes with play calling. And this is not me uh, just complaining about Les Miles and saying run versus pass or Les Kenning or who's calling the plays and all these things. This is a simple matter of KU taking what, what is available, what the defense is going to give them. West Virginia, the first half of that game, clearly came into the contest saying, you are not going to run the ball against us. And they had success doing that. They bottled Khalil Herbert up. Puka Williams didn't reach the 100-yard mark. I think he was somewhere around 75, 76 rushing yards. So West Virginia did a good job there. KU didn't take shots early or take enough shots. They didn't open the game up. Obviously, the Jayhawks trying to play a little bit of the field possession game or just control time of possession. However, Les Miles even said at halftime that maybe it was time to ask Carter Stanley to do more. He said after the game he would have liked to see some more deep shots. I know sometimes when you don't have the most most maybe faith in your quarterback, you don't want to just send him out there, especially when your strength is a run game, but I think the two have to complement each other. Yeah, you know, it's so hard being a quarterback because you have to take chances, but you can't take chances. <laughs> you know, you, you got to put the ball in smart places, but that sometimes means slightest error. It's a dumb place. Mm -hmm. And also, you got to have faith that your receivers are going to run the right route, and then they don't run the right route. Yeah. And you throw the interception, and everyone says, you stink, when you threw the ball exactly where it needed to be thrown. Yeah, now I will say this. KU offense has put up points. That's a great sign for them. Yeah. And the interception Stanley threw was pretty remarkable play by the defensive back. That being said, they clean up a few things, and you're talking about wins. Yeah, they're, they're progress you can see it mm -hmm. and now it's time to step out of bounds well UCLA has scored 50 points in the second half to rally for a 67 to 63 victory at number 19 Washington State the game that ended around 1 a.m. on Saturday night is Pac-12 after dark good for college football fits. it's fantastic <laughs> for fans I mean if I couldn't sleep I was watching after I you know this game was not competitive in the first half Washington State got away from them Washington State's on their home field Ranked 19th in the country. It's going to be a blowout. Look at the records. We're 3-0 versus the visiting team 0-3. I gave up on this game. I apologize, Pac-12. I forgot how weird you are. Uh, and I should have stuck with it because 50 points in the second half, UCLA came back, finally showing uh, Chip Kelly kind of making some Chip Kelly, making some good progress there that uh, UCLA fans have expected, but they haven't been good. Yeah. They <laughs> haven't been good at all. They've been really bad. And for one glorious half, they yeah. were beautiful. But is it good for college football? It's great for the fans. It's horrible for the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. I, I, look, here's the way I, I put it. For people in the Midwest and maybe even the Mountain Time Zone, it's great. You get done watching whatever games are going on, a lot of stuff going on, East Coast time, all these things. And then now you get to kind of end your day. Sometimes it's a blowout, sometimes whatever, but you get some kind of wacky stuff. I like when Bill Walton is on the call for the basketball games, and it just kind of has a, a little bit of a different feel to it. The, the issue, and this goes back to everything, and it's why 9 a.m. doesn't work, and it's why the late game doesn't work. I mean, that game ends at 1 a.m. Think about watching that and somewhere on the East Coast. It's 2 a.m. there. Now, I know it's a Saturday. I know you probably don't have to get up early, whatever, but like at, at a certain point, they'll have to figure out, they'll have to figure out something because 9 a.m. is not the answer, but also 2 a.m. on the East Coast is not the answer. But it's a, it's 11 p.m. still at the yeah, venue. It's still late fair. even on the West Coast. Yeah, I it's mean, late here too. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I I appreciate them being stupid. It's like <laughs> it's like all of college football said, okay, now let's get weird and turn on the Pac-12 game. That, that is what, what the Pac-12 is. The Pac-12 should get its own playoff. I don't know how it would work. Yeah. You just 
put Alabama against each Pac-12 team one after the other. I'd watch it at 11 p.m. Well, that's a bad loss for Washington State. <laughs> well, now let's hear from the fans. Our fan question this week is... I'll read this. Sure. Since for you, I got it. Scott! Yes. He yelled that. That's why he yelled. Mm. Why did it take the KU offense so long to start throwing the ball? That's from Davis and Topeka. Yeah, it definitely took the KU offense a while to start throwing the ball. And, you know, there is not one great answer to this question yet, in part because KU doesn't make its coordinators available. You can't go and ask them, hey, why weren't you throwing the ball? But Les Miles seemed to indicate that KU identified a schematic advantage uh, coming into this game, that they could have these kind of deep shots open. And you saw it in the second half. Andrew Parchment, a one-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown on a pass from Carter Stanley, and he was wide open. Mm -hmm. The Jayhawks have identified some of these things throughout the year. They have a wide receivers coach in Emmett Jones, who is especially well-respected. You would expect to see them take more shots. I think it's a fair question to ask why they didn't throw the ball earlier, and I'm not sure there's a great answer for you. I sometimes feel like coaches go into games, this is what we're going to do, and get so committed to that they won't adjust. And and to Kansas's credit, at halftime, it it seemed like they adjusted and opened the the offense up, but uh, it doesn't always work that way. Remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now it's time to take a look at our predictions. The predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. And remember to make your weekly predictions over at thedriveshow.com. And here are last week's results. It looks like Scott's smarter than everyone else. And I'm a dummy. That pretty much summarizes that. And now here's this week's. We start with Iowa State as a pick at Baylor. You say... Iowa State's looked rough. I'll take them and not feel great about it. Okay, I'll take Baylor. I don't know who to pick in that. Next is K-State plus seven and a half points at Oklahoma State. You got, you got. I'm going to take K-State. I'll go with Oklahoma State on that one. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they I, do. I really, yeah, I can get a read on these teams. Mm-hmm. And our last game of the week is Kansas plus 16 and a half. Now, it opened at 20, so it's yeah. coming down at TCU. I'll take Kansas in this one. I'll see, riding maybe some positive momentum despite the loss. I'll go with KU too. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll cover that. Again, make your picks over at the drive show. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. And On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. Let's start with Mr. Scott Chasen. Well, simple enough, a road test for KU. The Jayhawks had some swagger on the road going to Boston College. They'll look to see if they can keep it up. TCU hammered them the last time these teams met in Fort Worth. Can you tell we're running behind? (laughs) Hey, uh, this K-State game's on ESPN+. Plus. I know a lot of you are confused. We'll have information at gopowercat.com, shameless plug, to get you through that problem. Uh, It's actually a pretty fun way to watch college football. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. And we will see you next week right here and all week on social media. 